So there is a little story that American writer and essayist Jack Hitt likes to tell about his daughter. His daughter who had a somewhat unusual name, the name of Tarpley. His daughter's name is Tarpley. And as he tells it, when Tarpley was just four years old, she became utterly obsessed with all things Christmas. She loved the songs. She loved the food. She loved the decorations. So all day long, each and every day, going up to Christmas, she would just pepper him with different questions about the holiday. And she, she worked up to the big one, why do we celebrate this holiday at all? So to that question, Jack simply told her, well, on Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a guy named Jesus. A nice, simple, straightforward explanation, and he thought that explanation would suffice. However, Tarpley was the precocious sort, so that explanation did not suffice at all. She immediately became interested in, well, who is this Jesus guy? What was his deal? What was he about? So as a writer himself, and always wanting to encourage his daughter to read, uh, they went out together and they bought a kid's Bible. And then every night before they went to bed, they would read a different story from it. Now, seeing as how it was around Christmas time, they read mostly the stories from around Jesus' birth. They read about some of his teachings. And Tarpley was especially enamored of that old teaching, of that old phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And she would constantly ask her father to explain it, and then re-explain it, and then re-re-explain it to her. And Jack did his best to do what he could to explain those ancient words, to interpret them in a way that a four-year-old could comprehend. Now, around about that time, Jack and Tarpley, they were out running some errands around town, and they happened to pass a Catholic church, out in front of which stood an enormous crucifix. And I want you to picture this. They're driving by, and Tarpley looks out the window, and she says, Dad, who's that? Well, the truth is they hadn't quite gotten to that part of the story. And truth be told, Jack hadn't actually planned to share that with her yet because he thought it was kind of a, a violent story for a young girl to hear. And so somewhat sheepishly, he told her, well, Tarpley, actually, that's Jesus. We haven't quite made it to the end of the story yet. But you see, he, he ran afoul of the Roman authorities. You see, his message was so, so radical, so unnerving, it so upset the status quo that they felt that they had no other choice but then to put him to death. Of course, he put that in a way that a four-year-old could understand. Well, that's a lot for any four-year-old to take in, of course, but Tarpley just kind of nodded as though she understood, and for the first time in her short little life, she did not ask any follow-up questions, and quite frankly, her father was glad of it. But then about a month later, it was Martin Luther King Day, and so Tarpley's preschool had the day off. And so Jack decided that he too would take the day off so that they could spend, together hang, spend the day together hanging out, and maybe they would go eat lunch. When they arrived at the cafe where they were going to eat, the table where, right on top of the table where they happened to plop down was the art section of the local paper. And that art section featured a, a portrait of Martin Luther King Jr. that had been drawn by a 10-year-old from one of the local schools. 
So being the inquisitive sort, of course, Tarpley immediately said, Dad, who is that? To which Jack said, well, Tarpley, that is Martin Luther King, and in fact, he is the reason that you are not in school today, because we are celebrating his birthday. So Tarpley followed up. Well, what did he do? Jack said, well, he was a preacher. A preacher for Jesus? Yes, a, a preacher for Jesus, but also more than that, he was very famous for his message. Well, Dad, what, what was his message? Well, Martin Luther King Jr. said that we should treat everybody the same, no matter what they look like. And without any hesitation, without even a second of hesitation, Tarpley immediately commented, oh, that's what Jesus said. And her father said, well, you know, I, I never really thought about it like that before. But now that you say that, yeah, yeah, that is kind of like treat your neighbor as you love your neighbor as you want to be loved. It's the same thing. I never thought about it like that before. But then Tarpley sat there lost in thought for, for just a minute. And she looked up at her father and said, Dad? Yeah, honey. Did they kill him too? And for the sake of dramatic effect, that is where Jack Hitt ends the telling of his story. But you and I, we know the answer to that question. Yes. Yes, they did kill Martin Luther King Jr. just the way they killed Jesus. But this morning, it cannot go without saying that Jack Hitt had something quite wrong in his explanations to his four-year-old daughter. And that is that, namely, chiefly, Martin Luther King Jr. and Jesus Christ were not killed for their messages and their messages alone. Were these men just men who just had bluster and nothing else, we would not celebrate MLK Day, we would not celebrate Easter. But rather, these men were put to death because at every opportunity, every chance they got, they sought to make the love of God a living reality for those around them. They took bold action to bend the world in a more loving, a more just, and more merciful direction. It wasn't that long ago that MLK, through a calculated campaign of nonviolent protest, he sought to dramatize the grotesqueness of racial hatred in America. And through his bold action, Americans and people the world over, for the very first time, bore witness on their television sets to scenes of the Birmingham police turning their clubs, turning their fire hoses, and turning their, their snarling German shepherds onto completely peaceful protesters, protesters that included little black children. And it was because of MLK's bold action that helped usher in the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, followed thereafter by the Voting Rights Act of 1965. No, Martin Luther King was not killed for his message. Martin Luther King was killed because he boldly lived 
out that message in his life. This idea that, as Jack Hitt explained to Tarpley, that you should treat everybody the same, no matter what they look like. Likewise, it was not that long ago that Jesus Christ, through a, a humble ministry to the poor in what were the boondocks of Israel, he started to build a new kind of kingdom. A kingdom where folks from all different walks of life could be welcomed in and find themselves blessed. And it was through bold acts of civil disobedience where he challenged laws and regulations and customs that stemmed and stifled and stymied the flow of God's love through Roman-occupied Israel. He did things, remember? Like he chased those money changers out of the temple with a makeshift whip. And he restored sight to a man born blind. And he did that on the Sabbath, which at that time was a capital offense. Friends, make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ was not killed for his message, but rather he was killed for boldly living out that message. That idea that before all else, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, the problem with Easter, as I see it, with all its talk of empty tombs and angel appearances and, and the freshly resurrected Jesus being mistaken as the hired help, I don't know if you picked up on that detail, Mary thought he was a gardener, but the problem with Easter is that when we hear about all these miraculous happenings, they cause us to say to ourselves, wow, wow, Jesus really was God incarnate, the Word made flesh, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus really was a super special, one-of-a-kind kind of guys. Ergo, we logic, we could never do what he did. We could never love like he loved. We could never forgive like he forgave. We could never pursue justice like he pursued justice because we're just ordinary people. We could never be expected to live as boldly as he did. And so we settle, don't we? We settle for being like Jesus, but only around the edges. We settle, quite honestly, for mediocrity in our discipleship. And here's the kind of thing that I'm talking about here. Uh, let's say we have a run-in with Janice from accounting. Now, you might not know Janice from accounting, but I know that in your life you know a Janice from accounting. If you don't want to have it at the work, you don't have one of those at your workplace, maybe they're in your own family. I'm talking about one of those horrible, miserable, lives to make life harder for everybody around them kind of individuals. You know who I'm talking about. I just ask that you don't point any fingers in the sanctuary. But we have a run-in with Janice from accounting, and in the moment, in the heat of that exchange, we manage, to, we manage to hold our tempers back. We control our tempers. We do not tell Janice what she can do with that requisition form of hers. We have some creative ideas. Yes, we do, but we don't say them aloud. No, we don't. 
And as we're walking away from that exchange, right, we're patting ourselves in the back saying, whoa, look at me, Jesus reincarnate here, just spreading light and love and goodness into the world. Look at me go, right? We all do this, probably me, more than most. But tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Do we really believe? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, love in human form, was born into this world, spent his time ministering to the sick, the suffering, and the poor of this world, was nailed to a cross, was resurrected three days later, so that you could be slightly less catty when you are talking to Janice from accounting? Do you really believe that is the point? That's what this whole thing is about. I don't believe that. And at the end of the day, I don't think that you believe that either. And yet, we settle. We settle for mediocrity in our discipleship because we don't actually believe that we can be like Jesus. We don't actually believe that we can live as boldly. We don't actually believe that we have it within us to change the world. And so this Easter... I want you to know, I need you to know, as a matter of fact, that you are absolutely right. You cannot do what Jesus did. Rather, you can do what Jesus did and more. You can do better than Jesus did. You can live more boldly than Jesus did. You can live more lovingly than Jesus did. And if that sounds like sacrilege to your ears, if that sounds like I'm throwing hands at our Savior on his high holy day, that is only because on our journey through the Gospel of John over the past few months, we actually skipped over chapter 14. Chapter 14, wherein Jesus, wherein Jesus says to, unto his disciples, and I quote, anyone who trusts in me will do the same works as I am doing. In fact, he continues, they will do even greater works than these, end quote. In other words, Jesus seems to believe that you can do exactly what he did plus some, and if that's not a vote of confidence, I don't know what is. And what's more, friends, now more than ever, our world, our world needs you to believe that you can be like Jesus, that you can live boldly and lovingly. Because here we are, even in the liberal bastion of Massachusetts, here we are in Boston, we have newly invigorated and emboldened neo-Nazis marching on our streets, marching openly, marching proudly, marching with their chins held high, when more properly, they should be meeting in dark back rooms, ashamed to admit in public the hatred that they harbor in their hearts. Friends, I'm telling you that right now, more than ever, the world needs you to believe that you can be like Jesus. For years now, for years now, this drug crisis 
has been coursing through our towns and our cities, destroying individual lives, tearing apart families, weighing waste rather to entire communities. And there's probably not a person in this room who has not been touched by this crisis, and it's only getting worse day by day, week by week, year by year. Friends, the world needs you to believe that you can be like Jesus. And once again, just like last year, and just like the year before that, already in 2023, we have had more mass shootings in this country than we have had days in this year. Ordinary people like you and me and our kids are getting shot dead just for the, uh, having the audacity to go out in public, having the audacity to go to school. And while we are being shot dead, our elected officials and corporations are lining their pockets with millions and billions of dollars from the sale of firearms and ammunition. Friends, the world needs you to stop settling for mediocrity, and they need you to believe that you can be like Jesus. And as I stand up here, I fully recognize that these are big problems, these are complex problems, and I'm not going to pretend like I have the answer to them all. But what I do know, what I do know is that when Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me, he didn't mean just, just come and follow me to the desk of Janus. What he meant was come and follow me to, to the darkest places, in our nation, in our world. Follow me to those places in our world where the love of God most needs to shine. Follow me there. Come and follow me there, says Jesus. So this Easter, when you walk out those doors, I want you to know that, that Jesus believes in you, in you and you and you. Jesus believes that you, like him, like MLK, like the original disciples, Jesus believes that you have what it takes to live boldly and change our world for the better. Friends, may we be at least bold enough to believe that's true. In the name of the risen Christ, Amen.